Welcome to the Paranormal States of America. I'm your host, John Devine, and on today's episode, we're looking at some of the high-profile hauntings in the state of Delaware. Delaware is known as the first state. It was the first to ratify the U.S. Constitution. It is the smallest state I've looked at so far, but some of the haunted locations certainly stand out as some of the best yet. In under a month, millions of voters across the country will cast their ballots in elections for president, their member of Congress, and state and local offices. In Delaware, voters will be selecting the new governor, but no matter who wins that election, they will have a few ghostly companions at Woodburn Mansion, the governor's residence. The home was built in 1798 by Charles Hilliard III. In 1814, after Charles Hilliard had passed away, the home was purchased by Martin Bates and his wife Mary, the daughter of Charles Hilliard. Sometime after the home was purchased, the first ghost sighting was reported. Martin had invited a preacher to stay at the mansion after an evening of socializing with friends. The preacher accepted and adjourned to one of the guest rooms upstairs. The next morning, as he came down the stairs, he passed a man walking slowly up the stairs. The preacher insisted they wait for the other guest. What other guest? You're our only guest, Martin informed his friend. Then who was that man I saw walking up the stairs? The preacher asked, confused and surprised. After hearing the detailed description of the mysterious stranger, Mary was even more surprised than the preacher. The man the preacher described matched the description of her father, Charles Hilliard III, who had passed away years earlier. It seems that even in death, he couldn't keep away from the house that he built. In 1825, the home was purchased by Daniel Calgill Sr. Mr. Calgill, a Quaker, opened Woodburn as a stop on the Underground Railroad. The proximity of Delaware to the slave-owning South made it a target of slavers to capture free blacks. It is from this practice that we get our second ghost story from Woodburn. One night, a group of slavers raided Woodburn. Mr. Calgill chased them away, but one of the men tried to hide in a tree, still holding the shackles he had brought with him to hold any captives. He lost his footing and fell, getting stuck in a knot in the tree. He struggled to free himself, but he was unable to. He screamed for help, but his cohorts in the slaver raid had already run off. There was no one left to help him. He hung from the tree until his death. It's said that you can still hear the screams and the rattling of the slaver's chains as he is doomed to relive his death nightly for eternity. Our third Woodburn ghost is a bit more fun. Former First Ladies of Delaware have reported the disturbing sounds of footsteps in the dining room at all hours of the night, even when no one else is around. Apparitions of men in late 18th century clothing have been seen floating across the dining room. Charles Terry Jr., the 65th governor of Delaware from 1965 to 1969, once saw the spirit of a man in colonial clothing helping himself to the wines in the dining room. Another resident of Woodburn said that if he left a decanter full of wine out overnight, it would be empty the next morning. So either someone in the governor's family or staff is partaking in the vino in the middle of the night, 
or the ghosts of the past are just enjoying the spirits of the earthly realm. But there's one final well-known spirit at Woodburn. In 1985, during the inauguration of Governor Mike Castle, female guests of the new governor reported feeling something tugging at their clothing. When they looked down, they saw nothing, but the tugging persisted. Later, during the reception inside Woodburn, several guests saw a young girl in a red checkered gingham dress seeming to float in the corner of the ballroom. The girl has been seen playing in the fountains and pools around the gardens of the estate. All of these spirits at Woodburn are peaceful, non-threatening spirits. Just make sure you pour them a glass of wine, or they might just share yours. If you're looking for a charming beachfront bed and breakfast, check out the Addy Sea Inn in Bethany. As a warning, though, you may have an unexpected guest in your room. The Addy Sea Inn was built by John Addy in 1901. Addy was one of Bethany's original settlers, and the building was used as a summer retreat for his family. Addy was a plumber by trade, and the house was one of the first in the area to have indoor plumbing and gas lights. The building was transformed into an inn during the Great Depression. The inn was passed down through three generations of the Addy family before being sold off. The inn has undergone many changes throughout the years, even moving sites twice to protect the building from storm damage. The inn has been updated to include most modern furnishings, but some of the past still lingers. Three of the rooms are said to have various types of paranormal activity. Room 1 had a copper tub that John Addy brought from Pittsburgh when the inn was constructed. Guests would regularly report that the tub would shake violently for no known reason, even while they were in it. As a plumber, it's no surprise that Addy would still be attached to his tub. Many guests and workers at the inn have reported organ music coming from room 6, but there's no organ or an instrument of any type in room 6 to make such a sound. Room 11 is rumored to be haunted by Paul Delaney, a former handyman for the inn. People have reported seeing him sitting on or standing by the bed. People throughout the inn have reported hearing footsteps coming from the roof and the sound of someone running through the hallways, even though no one is there to make those sounds. It is said that the sounds are made by the spirit of Kurtz Addy, who died from falling off the roof of the inn. So, if you're looking for a seaside getaway with a few spirits, look no further than the Addy Sea Inn. Rockwood Manor was built in 1854 for Wilmington banker Joseph Shipley. Shipley moved his family, including their dogs and horses, and even a few of their house staff, from England to the estate upon its completion. The home features the rural Gothic revival architecture of English country estates that Shipley was familiar with, and is situated on over 70 acres of land. After Shipley passed away, the property was inherited by his great-nephew, Edward Bringhurst, in 1891. His wife and three young children, Mary, Edith, and Eddie, lived at the home. The oldest of the children, Elizabeth, was married and lived in a castle in Ireland. Elizabeth, or Bessie as she was known, helped the family decorate the manor. Most of her design choices are still present in the building today. Many of the pieces are originals from Joseph Shipley's time as owner of the manor. Mary Bringhurst, the second oldest child of Edward Bringhurst, lived to be 100 years old and died in the house. It's likely that the well-preserved history of the manor is the reason for the hauntings that people have reported. One building that was on the property when Shipley purchased it was a farmhouse that the Bringhurst family altered in the 1890s to be young Eddie's playhouse. 
The building is no longer standing, but the foundation remains. Sounds of a young boy laughing and playing have been heard around the ruins and in the main house. Some have reported seeing a man in a smoking jacket around the manor house. Witnesses have identified the man they see as Edward Bringhurst. Others have seen an apparition of a woman wearing a white dress, and this is believed to be Mary Bringhurst, as the ghost has been seen in Mary's bedroom. Witnesses have reported that a rush of cold air accompanies the sightings of Mary. But people aren't the only apparitions being seen. It has been reported that the spirits of Shipley's dogs roam the property. Their barks, growls, and howls are still heard in the manor grounds, and visitors have seen the dogs running in the yard. The TV show Ghost Hunters visited the Rockwood Manor Museum for their season 11 finale in 2016, where they had many interactions with the spirits that still called the manor home. Rockwood is open to the public for tours and walks of the main house and the property. There are even ghost tours open to the public. Another well-known haunted location in Delaware is Fort Delaware. Ghost Hunters has actually featured this location numerous times on their show. The fort was built in 1817 as an artillery base to protect the Delaware River. It stands on Pea Patch Island in the middle of the river and is only accessible by boat. For even further security, the Pentagon-shaped fort is surrounded by a moat. During the Civil War, it was used by the Union Army as a prisoner of war camp for Confederate soldiers captured during battle. Over the course of the war, over 40,000 Confederate POWs were held at Fort Delaware. During that time, 2,926 Confederate soldiers died because of the poor conditions and starvation, much like the Civil War prisons of Virginia and Maryland that spirits continued to be bound to. James Archer was a Confederate general who had many victories in battle over the Union. However, before he was set to lead the South into battle at Gettysburg, he fell ill and was unable to lead the charge. He watched the battle from afar and hid when the fighting got too close. He was found and captured and sent to Fort Delaware. Given his standing, he negotiated with the Union officers to be able to roam the grounds of the fort while he was a prisoner. This was accepted under one condition. He wouldn't try to escape. But being a high-ranking Confederate, many of the soldiers imprisoned at the fort were his men, and he started to form a plan to overthrow the fort and escape. When the plan was found out, the Union officers decided to punish him by locking him in the tunnels that ran under the fort. They gave him food, but that was all. He was down there for years and emerged from the tunnels a madman. When he was released, he was deemed too ill to rejoin the Confederate Army, and he retired to Virginia and died at the age of 46. Archer's ghost is believed to haunt the tunnels, sometimes being seen without a sound, trying to remain hidden. The next ghost is that of Private Stefano. He was a guard at the fort. One night he was summoned by an officer and he was running to answer the call. He slipped on a slippery stairwell, falling down the steps, breaking his neck and cracking his head open at the bottom of the stairs. He died instantly. The story of Private Stefano's death is told by tour guides when the tour stops at those steps. These retellings of the death are met with banging noises, and occasionally a figure will appear at the bottom of the stairs, then disappear. In the mess hall, there's a ghost that will clean up where the mantle once was. The figure is seen walking through a door that has been bricked up. In the kitchen, there's a spirit of a woman who worked as a cook at the fort. One sighting of the spirit was during a reenactment of life during the Civil War. Three women were reenacting the roles of kitchen staff when an older woman came into the kitchen, also in 19th century clothing. 
The reenactors thought she was just another actor, so they thought nothing of it. They watched her take the lid off a pot of soup, stir it, then turn to them and smile. The women smiled back. The woman put the lid back on the pot and left the room, right through the closed door. I'm sure the women were more than shocked at getting a paranormal look into life at the fort during the Civil War. When we're talking about the dark corners of history of our states, it's easy to get depressed about some of the events that have led to these hauntings. There is one haunting that I came across that I couldn't find a lot of history or stories on, but I still wanted to share it because it illustrates more than just a simple haunting. In Christiania, in the northern part of the state, there's a firehouse that is a battleground in the war between good and evil. A dark malevolent force appears frequently in the hallway leading to the engineer's room in the number 12 station. The force is seen as a shadowy figure and has been sighted in the doorway to the engineer's room. But there's a good spirit in the firehouse as well that opposes the evil and prevents it from entering the engineer's room. People have reported being able to feel the struggle between good and evil when both spirits are present. Even though this case has a dark entity present, it's comforting to know that the good spirit is able to ward it off to some degree. I'm going to continue to look into this case and will try to include more information on it in a future episode. That concludes our look at some of the hauntings in the state of Delaware. The history of the state results in a lot of buildings that are rumored to be haunted, but many have few reports or specifics easily accessible. Like the states before it, I will continue to research and look for more hauntings to cover in future episodes. Now that we are in the month of October, I want to treat you all to some bonus content to set the mood for this spooky month but you'll have to subscribe to get the notifications of when these are posted. I'm excited about these audio treats, and I can't wait to share them with you. Remember to click the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcast directory you are listening to us on. Follow the show on Instagram at the Paranormal States of America. Until next time, I'm your host, John Devine, signing off from the Paranormal States of America. Thank you for listening. 